you guys, I have the most woo-woo shit that has been happening to me, but I think that a Kachina doll has attached itself to me because I helped it. And now something at work has been touching my hair when nothing could be touching my hair, like full on moving my hair. But also, like, what are you talking about? Where did you come in contact with the doll? Yeah. At work. We sell oh, these dolls. Wow. Is it haunted? No, it's not. Ha- I think I might be haunted. No, the so the dolls they're indigenous and it is mm. um like each one represents a physical thing in the world and some of them represent death some of them represent bees and trees mm. and bears and so they all have like a correlation and there was one at work that I noticed a painting had fallen over and knocked it down so I moved the painting and I set it up and put it mm-hmm. re- upright and I was like yeah. hey bud have a wonderful day because I talked to shit constantly. Oh, and yeah. then today I was standing there and I had my hair up in a bun and I was just kind of like, do, 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 do. And all of a sudden my hair started kind of moving and I was like, oh, that feels weird. And I turned and I was like, oh, it's my friend is behind me. And now I don't know. I don't you know. were in front of the doll? Yes. I don't like it. <gasps> I want to quit that job. Quit immediately. I don't like it. Oh, I'm trying to quit that job. I don't like but it. But I also think that I might. Well, and it. it well, if you give buy the, the doll before you leave because maybe that, you're friends. No, what then I'm it'll follow her. Because, like, no, the, no, no, no. The, so the doll wants you to take Kachina him out of dolls, that place. If you give them a good home and you give them a good space, they will protect you and they are part of. It's like a very um, symbiotic relationship. Very so I, I like the doll's situation and I told it that it was okay. And now no. I think that it is, I don't know, just letting me know it's there. I literally, because there was also, we have dream catchers hanging from the ceiling. Uh-huh. And I made my coworker come stand next to me and measure. And the dream catcher that was there is literally a foot and a half taller than me where it ends. So it could not mm-hmm. have been that. Right. Yo, you were making sure it was nothing logical. I mean, yes, I was already on board. You didn't have to convince me anymore that the doll did it. I was already on board for that for sure. And I don't know if they're, but I don't know which tribe makes those or uses them. But we did a lot of units on Kachina dolls in Florida. I thought so. I'm super on board with this. Yeah, no, because the they're right? the whole thing is like. Mm. You have to give them a, you know, you make a space for them. It's basically like you build them a shrine and keep them protected and clean. And they will not bring you any harm. But if you like destroy one, it's going to ruin your life. So I was just been... saying hello. Like, hey, thanks for picking me up. Swirl, swirl. Just gave you a little yeah, bun swirl. Yeah, yeah. That was exactly what <laughs> it, it was like. <laughs> Thanks for picking that painting up off my back. It knocked me over. Yeah, that's not creepy at all and totally cool. Andrea's <laughs> upset, but it seems like a friendly a spirit. So I yes. support it. I was also, I was kind of upset. And so in my brain, I was like, were you letting me know that it was okay in the same way that I let you know it was okay? Yeah. Okay, that's actually oh, pretty sweet. It back. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys, you're so ready to, to buy s- it. 
Yeah, no, you have to buy it, and then it can <laughs> haunt you and Keith together. <laughs> no, because you know what'll happen is I'll buy it, I'll build it a beautiful little mini house to live in, and Keith will fall into it somehow because he's never once walked like he was sober and <laughs> then our world will end i don't know well, like if you oh put no. it inside the stanley keith cup and make him break his ankle or something <laughs> yeah it'll get jealous of you and keith spending time together and then it'll become some type of stephen king novel where he's trying to murder keith so he can be with you forever <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then Andrea will come by because no one's heard from me in a while, and it'll just be two Kachina dolls standing next to each She'll other. She'll have turned into a Kachina doll, <laughs> and she's become just, immortal. Oh my gosh, Jordan is a giant one in the middle, just dung like a really hard <laughs> piano like key, and you just see a version of Jordan but straw. And that's Kachina. your episode of The Twilight Zone, Kachina yes. Doll Edition. Right. Welcome to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed our introduction. <laughs> uh, comparative, comparative fiction. Uh, ela- elaborative? I don't know what the word is. Anyway. No, I mean, you came in hot with a haunting, so. Yeah. No, we got to keep the haunting in. I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to Podvant Guard. That was a very short intro that we are totally acknowledging. My name is Andrea Gazzetta. And I am haunted. And Jordan is haunted. And I'm Katrina Davis. And, and I'm Jordan Kachina Doll Williams. And just today, speaking it into the universe. Jordan's definitely going to wind up dead or haunted forever. Or a Kachina doll. It's totally fine. Um, Today we're covering someone who, when I first, like, pitched this to both of you, was like, this is the first person I want to cover. And then I waited a really long time because I couldn't find good books. Uh, But today we're covering Artemisia Gentileschi. Yay! Yay! Da, 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 da. And I actually have a question at the start of this <laughs> because Absolutely. people people much smarter than me have pronounced it to me in two different ways. Okay. As Genaleshi and Genaleski. And these are people with like fancy degrees that I I don't I would go Genaleshi because it's Italian so that the yeah. last sound looks like a she to me like Porticelli. Yes. I don't know. It's a shit because uh, I'm Italian and this is not racist. So anyway, <laughs> well, if if Tina's has shown us anything, it's you can't be racist against Italians, right? Uh, absolutely not. Mario has never experienced adversity in that way, just with plants chasing him. Um, so we, I do want to put a quick trigger warning up top. We will be discussing the topic of sexual assault. We're not going to go into graphic detail, but we are going to mention it. So if that's something that is really difficult for you, I'm also going to put a secondary trigger warning when we get to that area, if you just want to skip ahead. Um, But yeah, keep yourselves feeling good and safe. So you don't have to listen to this if that would be really bad for you. And we love you either way. Yeah, absolutely. We're not going to be mad if you're like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, totally. Um, So Artemisia Gentileschi... I was just gonna say i think that people 
constantly feel the need to bear witness. And if it's not something that you can do tonight, don't don't do it. You're okay. Yeah, the world's back, pretty baby. pretty hard right now. And I've definitely been like, I need a break. So I get it. <laughs> so Artemisia Genaleshi was born on July 8th, 1593 in Rome, Italy to painter Orazio Genaleshi and his wife Prudentia Montone. Uh, she was the oldest child and only female born to them. She had three younger brothers. Um, for context, this same year in Rome, friar and scholar Giordano Bruno was tried for heresy by the Roman Inquisition for suggesting, among other things, that stars were actually suns at the centers of their own solar system. He would eventually burn at the stake for these claims. Oh. Oh my so, gosh. That's where we're Just at. Just to give some context of where we're at with with ideas and openness. <laughs> oh my it's god. Rough. Uh to say that this was not yeah. a great time for women would be an understatement. Although we're nearing the I mean, end. It's not of- a good I- a good time for concepts. Like no. gracious. <laughs> It's, you can't ask a question no matter who you are. No, it's pretty. <laughs> definitely don't want to rock and the I boat. Actually, or, yeah. Not to derail okay. this again. Oh, I have just one more thing. One of the things that I, I encourage everyone to think about when you are thinking about Arte- Artemisia is that if you are taking an art history course or a survey... She is the first woman that you learn about. And my advisor always made a point. We are three months in. We have reached the first woman. Let's discuss why that is. Because she's not the first Uh woman that has ever painted. And she's not the first woman that's ever existed. But she is the first woman in the narrative. So let's talk about it. Now that would be news. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, there's a new kind of human. And boy, can they paint. That we really got something to talk about now. I'm just imagining the SNL announcer voice, and it's like, and suddenly, now starring woman. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Um. So yeah, this was a tough time for women historically. Uh, we couldn't really do anything yet. And although we're nearing the end of the Italian Renaissance era, technically, that some historians say, I mean, there's a lot of like some people be like, well, we're still in it. It's but this is kind of Baroque, but it's kind of the Mannerists. We're in a weird area. Um, But during the Italian Renaissance, there was like a minor expansion of women's education. Like women were still only educated in ways that would best serve men when they would eventually run their husband's households. But there was some like, hey, maybe we should teach them to do math if they're paying people money. Um, So they did do that. (laughs) Yeah, they got to make sure they get enough eggs. Teach them numbers. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, One article I read. But not too much, (laughs) because... Yes. Uh, One article I read called Women of 16th Century Venice said, quote, literate women could even be suspected of witchcraft since popular opinion endowed the written word with magic powers. (laughs) Mm, Because that's the only thing you could have possibly wanted to read was a spell. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the printing press and large scale literacy is still so new at this point. 
Like, yes. Church mm. services are still only done in Latin. This yeah. is, mm. it's a very odd transitional time. Well, mm. this is, uh, yeah. So this is kind of, I'll, well, I'll get into it, but this is kind of a little bit after the Counter-Reformation. So the Catholic Church had made some changes to make things more accessible to people and they stopped i think this is when they stopped doing the indulgences and some of that crap because people were like okay. the protestants were so mad but they also pushed real hard on anything that's not catholicism is heresy so it's when a bunch of inquisitions yes. popped up so it's a pretty tumultuous time uh, women could not own property or wealth beyond the dowry they were given when they were first married off so even if they married a wealthy husband um, if he died first and they didn't have any male or heirs to support them, they were essentially homeless. So that left them completely vulnerable and dependent on producing male heirs that would take care of them or finding someone else to marry immediately. Women's chastity was prized above all else, and the societal expectations of women were molded by what served men best. Uh, this is again from women of 16th century Venice. Basically, the pillars of womanhood at this time are chastity, silence, modesty, reticence, sobriety, and obedience. <laughs> Which reticence is funny because it's really just like, it's almost like a fake one because it's like reticence is just like, are you hesitant to say words at all? Are you very shy? And it's like, you already have that with silence, <laughs> modesty. Like, it's the same one every time. It's just like, if yeah, if you could just really shut the fuck up in just be what I need you to be, that would in be In every Thank way. You so much. Yes. Because I thought reticence was hesitancy emotionally was how I yeah. thought it described to me. Yeah, that kind. So, yeah, it's just you're so hesitant. I just need your your feelings to be quiet as well. If you could yes. just make everything everything quieter, that would be great. I can well, hear you sighing. I'm going to need you to be more reticent. <laughs> that would yeah, it, it was definitely a time when the Catholic Church was trying to control even your thoughts. Like having impure thoughts yes. was still a sin. So they're literally trying to control not only your external life but your internal life all the time constantly surveilling mm -hmm. you uh with sky daddy the second so. you said that i just pictured someone in a church being like we can't control how people think and then being like oh my god that's the best idea <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but what if we could though make it work make it work <laughs> and they're like no 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 that's not what i meant <laughs> Well, yeah, I was gonna so say, it's weird that you started researching this uh this month like Andrea, did you cause Roe v. Wade to get overturned? Honestly, I had been planning thought to she do was it at reading this time. Books. Yeah, I was doing spells in the back. It's don't worry about it. Uh, but I was like planning to do this. I like ordered a book off the internet and I had to like wait for it to get here. And then the Roe v. Wade shit came out and I was like, yep, it's time for some beheadings. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's a spoiler alert. There's beheadings. Um, so uh, Spoiler alert. There's beheadings. <laughs> Not actual, but, you know, it's fine. So that. when you look at the world she was born into, Artemisia Gianaleschi is even more impressive of a figure. She was incredibly talented and brave at a time when these were not traits that were valued in women. 
And like her namesake, the Greek goddess Artemis, Artemisia was a powerful woman and a force to be reckoned with. And she fought tooth and nail for her place among the pantheon of male artists that dominated her time. So side note, if you guys are not familiar with Greek, uh, the, the Greek pantheon, the Greek gods and goddesses, Artemisia is also Diana in the Roman tradition. And uh, the number one story of her is that she was like the huntress goddess and goddess of the outdoors. And she valued her chastity so much that uh, once a man saw her bathing, so she turned him into a stag and had his own hounds rip him to pieces. So that's how she felt about dudes. (laughs) Which like if we could all be Artemis. That's a badass fable. Yeah, she's a badass bitch. She like when I was a kid reading, like when I was a kid and we had to like learn about the Greek goddess and goddesses and Greek gods and goddesses in school. She was my favorite. I was like, yeah, that sounds about great. (laughs) 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 So, so at age twelve, Artemisia's mother died. Um, And it makes sense to me in a world where your mother is no longer a part of your life and your father is working in your home that you as a child would gravitate towards whatever they were doing. So all of her siblings learned to paint, but her father pretty much was like, yeah, she's the only one that's like really good at it, though. (laughs) So although she could read only a little by her own admission, Artemisia grew up surrounded by art. At this time, the Counter-Reformation movement had seen the building of many more new Catholic churches in Rome to solidify the dominance of the Catholic religion and the heresy of Protestant movements. So there's all this like new architecture going up and all of those spaces need art to fill them. So artists are blossoming. Um, Caravaggio is big around this time, around her sort of like growing up. And he created a bunch of works that would be on display in the Roman churches where she would have been able to access them. So she would have been able to go to these churches and see these works of art. And Caravaggio is known very much for this like bold chiaroscuro naturalism. Chiaroscuro basically just means shading. It means like very accented shadows, like dramatic lighting. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So it's those like super. Her father was actually deeply influenced by Caravaggio once that which yes. like most artists were that was a crazy uh kind of revolution within the art world yeah and so Caravaggio and her father were contemporaries and he actually like borrowed props yes. like studio props from him so they like you know it was it was an art scene where everyone kind of knew each other and everyone's hanging out so she's just around all these great artists nice. all the time and you're right like Caravaggio That's was amazing. a revelation like he was the darling of Rome and so all of Roman paintings became like Caravaggio for a time um mm. and her early work draws heavily from her father, which makes sense as he would have been her only teacher. This is a quote from, um, let me look at the source's full name real quick. It's just, The book is just called Artemisia Genaleschi. It's by Mary D. Gerard, and it was published in 1989. But here's a quote that she says, uh, which I think is like, perfectly describes what's going on she says since females were not eligible for normal paths to artistic careers such as training with more than one established master 
travel or membership in guilds, Artemisia's apprenticeship to her father would have been her only access to the profession. So basically, if she was not born into the family of a painter, there's no way she gets to become a painter. Right. Because you can't just like send a girl off to hang out with a man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh So it's just like. We'll find out why later. Uh, yeah. So. (laughs) Sorry. I know. It's just, it is a bummer, but also she's a boss bitch, so it's fine. Um, She really is. She's like, like, I actually, my boyfriend doesn't really I like I tell him stories and he'll be like great good job and I was telling him about this and he got like so invested he was like looking up paintings and he doesn't care about painting so it was really cute um I almost got a Genaleshi uh painting tattooed on my entire back but I didn't have the time so I didn't set up the appointments that would be dope as fuck yeah so (laughs) By age 17, Artemisia completed one of her earliest attributed works, although it's likely that many of the works she cr- that are credited to her father, she either had a hand in or possibly painted completely, because at this time it was very normal for masters to take credit for their students' work, because you can sell uh-huh. it for a lot more money if it's from the master. So, right. it, if once so wait, student- what year did she do her own? I mean, she was doing them all the time. So this would be, she's 17, uh, math. Oh, 1593 plus 17. I think. Okay. Yeah. So this would be about 1610. So she's 17 years old. And I'm going to show you the painting she made when she was 17 years old because you're going to be like, shut the fuck up. Oh my gosh. Because that was another reason I was making sure I got the year, whatever you said, right, Andrea, because she was 17 and she did this. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? 17 years old. Yeah, but also this is what I was thinking of in all the shading and the drama of the... Yeah. Like, these paintings make me feel like everyone is on, like, a backdrop. Like they're doing a Shakespearean play. That's what these paintings make me think of. Yeah. Yeah. That's not hers, though. This is the first one, right? No, that's not hers. Uh... That's her dad. Oh. Yeah. So I you thought wanna... this one was painted that's the later. One. No, that's the one that she painted when and she was she... 17. Okay. Yeah, so she's 17. And you can see that, like, if you Google... So you have to remember, too, the Sistine Chapel was completed in 1510. So she would have grown up being able to visit the Sistine Chapel. And if you Google... Oh, uh, my gosh. If you Google Michelangelo, Eve... Or, sorry, Michelangelo, Adam, and Eve banished from the Sistine Chapel, it's the same pose. So she's mirroring. The hand motions are the same. She's kind of pushing away. There are these two men behind her. She's a nude figure seated. She's afraid she's looking away her hands are up in a defensive pose um Mm -hmm. she is like trying to really push these men away so i want you guys both to google um susanna and the elders and then just look at all of the google image results because it shows just a bunch more paintings Uh that are all by men and i want you to kind of like notice the differences um if you guys don't remember susanna and the elders this same story we actually talked about in the suzanne valadon episode because that's 
the story from which Suzanne Veladon got her name. So to recap, the story is that two old dudes saw Susanna bathing outside in the stream and they wanted to have sex with her. And when she refused, they falsely accused her of lechery and had her arrested. And eventually they figure out that the dudes are lying and murder them. But she is sort of this like persecuted mm. woman. So. Right. The, yeah, because in some of these versions, she looks like she's straight up waving to them like, hi, guys. Yeah. In terms so, of what you're saying and how she painted her. So at this time, this was a very popular subject because titties. Uh-huh. So it was really oh, yeah. I mean, like, yes, it was a Bible story, but it was really just an excuse for artists to paint naked women for horny men so they could have nude ladies in their house because like you couldn't just buy porn (laughs) so so everyone else so it was an excuse to have boobs around yeah pretty much so i mean it is like about a falsely accusing a woman of being a whore essentially and Mm -hmm. dudes are like yeah i want that in my study for my alone time you know and what is so funny when you look at that like image search of all those Artemisias, it's or sorry, all those Susanna and the elder paintings, Artemisia stands out because she's a woman. So every dude painter just painted these sexy painting porn videos and that are like, oh no, I'm just a sexy lady. Like, please don't. Oh, it's so scary. Uh but Artemisia Whoa, she doesn't even look scary. Like they didn't right? really they don't seem to have noticed that this there's one other one where she even looks troubled a little bit. or yes. like these men are like intruding on her space. Some of them, they look like they're admiring her and she's like looking off into a totally different direction. Like she's just this disconnected angelic looking thing that's just being gazed upon without her knowledge. Like they take a lot of, they're like visually taking a lot of the malice out of what these men end up doing in this fable or whatever absolutely and <laughs> the difference of course story yeah and <laughs> it like, that is the the story of artemisia absolutely and mm. it, it's because at this time artemisia even as a girl of 17 knows the terror of what it would be to be falsely accused of something like that because she understands that having your sexual reputation destroyed is having your entire life and value thrown away so at 17 years old she understands what this means and so she's painting the woman as herself and i think that is such an important distinction and a point of view that we just don't get anywhere else because we don't have female art uh unfortunately this is a story that would not remain in her imagination. So this is where we're going to get into our trigger warning. Again, we are going to be mentioning a rape. So if that is a difficult subject for you, please skip ahead like five minutes. Um, You know, you, I love you. I'm sorry. Um, So when she was 17, her father rented an upstairs room to an older woman named Tusia who Artemisia befriended and who would eventually horribly betray her. 
When she was 18 years old, she was raped by Augusto Tassi, a colleague of her father's. In some versions, it says he was her tutor, but it seems like that was something he said he was doing at a trial to explain why he was in a room with her in her own home. Um, Mm. So it sounds like he wasn't actually tutoring her. That was something that her father was pretty much only doing. At this time, the only way Artemisia would have been able to keep her honor was if Augusto had married her. So for nine months after the initial rape, he promises to do so in exchange for continued sexual favors. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So he basically didn't just rape her once. He raped I mean, her yeah, many and then times. He coerces her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he's like, well, if anyone finds out, Into. like, you're gonna, you'll like, be well, thrown even away. The same thing, not the same thing with the same level of intensity, but absolutely the same thing that someone would say about like, oh, well, you're ruined now. Like, you might as well just keep letting me violate you. Absolutely, yeah, and it 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 must have been i mean it's a completely horrible traumatic thing that happened to her and then it was continued and extended so as soon Mm. as it became clear that he was not going to follow through with that promise her father took him to trial now if you want to i mean i guess i get being a dad and even like saying okay to that to begin with is kind of wild but I'll yeah, I mean that's the, really what it just what it was at the time. 1800s. Right. Oh my gosh. At the time women were supposed to only exist for one man for their entire lifetime. So, right. that's or until he died shit. and they needed to remarry very quickly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, if you want to, you can read the entire court manuscript um from Artemisia about what happened. I read her testimony. It's available in the book by Mary D. Girard that I mentioned earlier. Um, I don't want to do it. It's pretty upsetting, but I will read one excerpt from Artemisia in her own words of sort of what happened leading up to that event. When he found me painting, he said, not so much painting, not so much painting. And he grabbed the palette and brushes from my hands and threw them around saying to Tuzia, get out of here. And when I said to Tuzia not to go and to leave me, she said, I don't want to stay here and argue. I want to go about my business. And she left the room. Um, It was later confirmed in court that Tuzia had actually conspired with Agosto Tassi to get Artemisia alone and for her to give him access to her. So she had essentially like purposely left the door unlocked and made sure she was alone and like let him know that she was there. So, wow, she's a real bitch. Um, The rape and Artemisia's account of it are brutal. And Artemisia definitely fought back. Uh, At one point in her testimony, she says, I grabbed his penis so tight I even removed a piece of flesh. So during the seven months. Yeah. Yeah. It, and I even mean, that this is this old and we have the testimony like this that it's she this even afterward th- this was happening this long ago it's always <sighs> been happening I, I think what is so sad I mean the documentation of a yeah. trial of it being yeah. that old is like okay wow I think what is so crazy to me reading this was just like it doesn't change like it's still mm-hmm you know, there's just like, well, 
Yeah. That happened. That really sucks for women, but he's gonna you know what I mean? Like it it's there's a a, a measure of indifference or a feeling that she or you know, accusations of course that she was um willing. It's really horrible. The but the idea that you would have to go through something like that and then any option after that is to be like married to that person to at ever at any point be alone with that person again in itself would be traumatic much less for months and then oh my god yeah it was pretty it's yeah it's pretty bad and after the um rape she found she had a knife in a drawer and she like threatened him with it and she did like cut mm-hmm. his chest a little bit, but she didn't, you know, I think she was very, she's 18, you know, she's very traumatized. 16, yeah. Yeah. So she's very young still. And she just, I, you know, she didn't wind up like stabbing him, but it sounds like she was threatening uh-huh. him and trying to get him to leave. Um, uh-huh. So during the seven month trial, it was discovered that Tassi had also conspired to murder his wife and raped his sister in law, among other crimes. So a bunch of people were like, yeah, oh, this dude. So yeah, this guy raping. is just like, yeah, he just murders and rapes anyone around him for any length of time. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, So no clear records exist from this time. And I found differing accounts of what the outcome of the trial was. Some say that he essentially mm. was just held for the length of the trial and then released. Um, some say that he was convicted and was supposed to serve two years um, but only served like eight months or something like that. So it sounds like even then it was just kind of a lot of like, well, boys will be boys, <laughs> be raping and murdering women. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. But I, it sounds like he was possibly charged with the crime of trying to murder his wife. So he got like other stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all that I have always heard that she won her case. Um, and that it, I mean, like, for the year that it happened, won it, which was like insane. as much as you could win back then, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, that yeah. she, you know, got her justice. And uh, I mean, like, they, I, as someone who has studied our history, I get told about Artemisia a lot by people who feel like they know what that feels like to feel like it's over and you've been broken in a way that you can't come back from. I'm sorry. It's okay. No. It's okay, mama. I'm just... (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so embarrassed. Um, no, don't be embarrassed. No, don't be. This is heavy as hell. It's really that's freaking crazy. Yeah, there's we a haven't even a had someone. In. Yeah, well, we haven't even had like I don't know research this specific to the trauma that we've talked about an artist going through. You know what I mean? I don't think, I don't think that we've been able to draw a picture this vivid of something that someone's gone through. Yeah. 
No, and her story is so... It just feels like it gets co-opted. And I just, I don't know, I've just heard a lot of people tell me about how... Because I don't know if you were going to talk about, like, the thumb screws and all of the public physicians. So, yeah, they did use... um, To verify that her testimony was truthful, they did uh, put thumb screws on her and tortured her. So, yeah, it, 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 it wasn't just like you're on trial and you were raped. They put fingers in her vagina to attest to the fact that she was no longer a virgin. They, I mean, she underwent. Wow. A series of horrifically violating abuse. Yes. Yeah. So it's And I've just heard so many people talk about how, oh, well, it was how things were done at the time. And she actually asked for the thumb screws to be used so that her testimony would be proven true. And I just don't think that that matters. I think that what happened to her was horrible. Absolutely. Yeah. And even if as an artist, just to talk about things that we've talked about, about uh, traumatized and abused artists that are also female in the past and looking at what they do at a young age and saying, oh, why would you do that? And being like, yeah, they're messed up. Like this might not even if you did ask, like you said, to hold that up as any kind of evidence of anything other than the world that you're in. And I, I would argue that you think a teenager that has gone through all of this would volunteer herself through anything else. I would fist fight you over that theory alone. Like what? Yeah. I, it, that's dumb as hell. Just because it happened as a non-scholar, break. that's dumb as hell. <laughs> yeah, it it is. I think because it happened so long ago, it can sometimes be easy to make it into a story that is like, "What a great, what a great gal! She was so dope." It's like the yeah. things that happened to her were indeed horrible. <laughs> I mean, like she is. I'm not going to say she's not a fucking badass because she is. And that is one of the reasons I think. She absolutely is. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that like her story remains. What? 500 Mm -hmm. years later. It's because we recognize that in her. I did my math wrong. It was maybe 400. But you know, like it's, I mean, it's the, the universal. Oh God. It's the universal violence of yeah. femininity. Yeah. You know, that's just. I, it, it was interesting. None of it's like, old. It's. As I was reading this, I even was the like, fact that she was painting something that was a fable that was even older than them. And that was, yeah. it's all like yeah. Andrea was saying this. None of this is new, unfortunately. As I was like reading the court testimony, I was just seeing like Anita Hill and the woman who testified against Brett Kavanaugh. And like, I'm just see the, you know, I'm just seeing all these women and all these trials of men who are in these positions of power and who they have no power over and who become abused through the media and just like 
put through more abuse because they're trying to, to let say, other and then people your know. recourse is months of reliving all of this to hopefully some kind of avail. But yeah, like just putting yourself through so much and then having people like you say, be like, well, she got her get. And it's like, I mean, but at what fucking cost? Yeah, what if women didn't have to experience horrific abuse and trauma to have good, successful, fruitful lives? <laughs> what if that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's this—it's the superhero problem. If a lady gets raped enough, she gets to fly. That's the... <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's okay. We're back. It's a <sighs> stupid Kachina doll. Oh my goodness! Stupid. I was just about to say that. Thank you, Jordan. (laughs) What if it gets mad at me? It's not the Kachina doll. It's protecting me. Well, if something really bad happens to me tomorrow, you'll know not to fuck with that Kachina doll. Dude, if something bad happens to you, I'm gonna have to bring the Kachina doll home and be like, (laughs) "Here is your house. I built it for you. It's beautiful. It's got hardwood floors. I don't know. Is there something else you need?" Andrea just apologizes to it so that bad things will happen. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, guys. So, yeah. While, so th- she had this horrible, horrific trial. We took a little mm-hmm. break to recenter ourselves. It's cool. Don't mm. worry about it. Uh, but it seems like while the trial was happening, Artemisia was painting. So even as she's being tortured, even as she is having to give this very difficult testimony, she is painting. And like a few weeks, like very shortly after the the trial was over, she would complete one of her most famous works. And it's a theme she would revisit for the rest of her life. It is Judith slaying Holofernes. So I got, I want you guys to do the same thing where you look up Jenna Leshy's version and then look up everyone else's version. Okay, so I can actually, uh, I don't have to look it up because I've written so many papers about this particular <laughs> piece in comparison to other oh, pieces. Oh, to the other version. And actually also Kahinda Wiley's version. Yeah, because we talked about that. Yeah, I remember yes. talking about it on that episode. Yes, because can I, do, do you mind if I? No, go ahead. Do my thing. Let's, let's okay. do it. Because uh, this is my favorite, this is one of my favorite paintings, and like I said, I have done so many comparative uh, just thought experiments about this piece. Um, the biggest difference between Jenna Leshy's version and, say, Caravaggio's version is the reality in which it is rooted Because Mm -hmm. in Caravaggio's version, you have this very, very dainty little tiny. She's like a waif. She is just this wisp of a tiny girl. And she's holding the sword so far away. She's like, it's like she's scared. She looks like a geek squad was helping you murder someone. Like, is this how I do it? Yes. And her. You're not going to get an artery at all with that technique. (laughs) (laughs) One of the biggest differences, too, is in the depiction of the handmaid. Because Judith's Mm. handmaid in Caravaggio and in most of these works is this old crone, stereotypical witch-looking lady. Mm -hmm. Like, she is wrinkly and she is old. Her whole profile. Witchy. 
Yeah. And in Jenna Lashy's version, Judith literally has her fingers wrapped in Holofernes's hair. Mm-hmm. And yeah. her and her handmaid are the same age. They look about They're the same age. They're both young women. They are both right. one, young women. They are both actively involved in this. And if you actually read the story of Judith, she is a fucking badass. And yes. she went in and she saved her people by killing Holofernes. She took off her widow's clothes. She said, I can't mourn this anymore. I can't mourn my husband. She went in there and she fucking saved her people by killing this guy who was so intent on having her. And so she, it's, it's, the difference is such a female gaze difference. Mm -hmm. And it just that it's, there is something about the way that Judith has her hands in Holofernes' hair that gives me chills. And for the, it is the female gaze, but the female gaze to me just looks like reality. Yes. Her painting just, Blaze the kind of force it would take to take someone's life away. The other one doesn't look realistic. It, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I see what you're saying first. So the, another thing that needs to be mentioned is that Judith in this story, the woman beheading the man, is Artemisia. It is modeled after her. It is her face. And the man being beheaded is her rapist, Augusto Tosi. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. This was a self-portrait of justice, essentially. And I think it was a way for her to work through the trauma and to sort of like regain a sense of personal power because she told everyone what he did and then she showed everyone what he deserved. Um, Yeah. And And this painting... Well, two quick things. I would recommend everyone listening to this look up the painting because that's a lot of blood. It's so much blood. (laughs) And second and it might not quite tie into but i do think it's a really interesting um aspect of the kahinda wiley thing because there has been a lot of controversy his version of judith and holofernes is a black woman beheading a white woman and i think Mm. that that is just a really interesting retelling because Mm -hmm. people get all up in arms because they're like oh my god it's a white lady But if we want to talk about it, and we can go all the way back to Emmett Till, but it has been white woman tears that have been killing black men for centuries. Mm -hmm. And I just think that it is the perfect retelling of this particular story of a woman who is going to do whatever she has to to save her people. Yeah. Mm. That's my Kahinda Wiley rant of the day. Yeah, this is, I mean, so this painting for Artemisia specifically is so brutally realistic at the time Caravaggio was the most famous painter and he was the one known for this like brutal naturalism and everyone's like oh my god it's like so raw and Artemisia if you look at their paintings side by side Artemisia out Caravaggio's Caravaggio like she is bringing (laughs) a brutal realness that even he wasn't really touching 
because mm-hmm. she knows well like jordan what that was is. saying her hands in his hair in this painting you can see the force that it would take to hold down someone the fact that it again the realism of yeah she couldn't have some frail old handmaid in the back behind her doing anything he would have killed them both it took two women to kill this person like all of that just seems so much more real and the other thing that i consistently love about artemisia's the way that she paints women in particular. Yeah. And it is very different from male artists. She paints women that take up physical space. They are Mm. hearty. They look muscular. Mm -hmm. They have this breadth of body to them. Yeah. In a way that is not supple and grabbable and touchable. It's, it's physically, not imposing well, they're holding their physical. own because yeah they look soft still to me like they look like women that i would hug but they are <laughs> holding their own against this man like they they have a strength to them but they don't look un uh, not feminine in the same yeah. way if that makes sense i don't know yeah it it what is so interesting about what she painted is it's pretty close to heresy because what it like what what she's giving what she's showing is what men at this time are terrified Mm. of which is women having power over Mm -hmm. them like they just can't Mm -hmm. like women in control women in power we can't have it the idea is that they are evil or it is a weakness for that to happen because andrea aren't there other versions that don't show the beheading they show like the aftermath or something like that like people yeah. have painted scenes but it doesn't show the actual beheading and stuff her father she, her own father actually painted a really beautiful depiction of um judith and her handmaiden with Holofernes's head i want you to look up both um, versions because she and her father both painted them and again the difference so like yes. if if that's Horacio's version. So if you look at the way that yeah. he's painting them, they're they're still women. But look up Artemisia Genaleschi's yeah. version, because that's actually the next slide I wanted to show you. So it works out perfectly. Okay. Um uh-huh. wait, because her version of what is that now? It's called Judith and her maidservant, and then write okay. Artemisia Genaleschi. And you'll recognize Judith again. Yeah. It's Artemisia. Right. I mean, they just look like they're they look like they have so much more intent. What I love about this one is so Judith, it, it, the maidservant is in the foreground. We see her back to us. She's looking off mm-hmm. to the right, um, kind of gently on her hip, like a basket of laundry is Holofernes slayed head. Again, Augusto Tosi's or Augusto Tassi's uh, head. Shit. And then here's uh, Artemis. I think before. Yeah. So the one where she has the blade over her shoulder. Two versions. That one's Artemisia's. They're both. And the other one. Oh, wait. These are both her? She what was really like the one where they looked like was look to out. revisit and revisit a specific story. I yeah. like the basket one. 
So this is, I mean, so she has art. So Judith is behind her maidservant visually for us, but they're like facing each other. And she's also looking to the side and she has this like, you know how like dudes like carry lumber at a construction site over their shoulder. She just has the sword kind of casually slung and her elbows out. And she's like, yeah, I fucking did that shit. Like the energy (laughs) she's giving. They they look like she just put his head in a basket and they're both casually trying to play it cool for someone off canvas. And they're like, I'm sorry, <laughs> yes. what was that? It's the best. I love this version. It's awesome. I mean, she's just, it's so good. And yeah, everything about it, the perspective of it, the like the fact that you can't see who they're hiding, everything that we see from, you know what I mean? Yeah. In her lifetime, she would paint many severed heads. Uh, One of the (laughs) (laughs) one of the I found like a there was like a a kind of a retrospective sort of where they had a lot of her paintings in one place for a show in Italy. And the like Uh the end of the article about it boasted that there were 15 severed heads in the exhibit (laughs) because she painted so many. I love her artemisia's head emporium i got too many heads (laughs) you gotta get rid of them you get ahead and you get ahead and you get ahead i got way more heads than i got bodies and i'm passing on the paintings to you (laughs) crazy artemisia's head discount depot (laughs) i love it okay this is that's, a business idea. That's going to have to be a Patreon tier. I don't even... We just send you the severed head of Augusta Tossi. <laughs> I was going to say more a like tiny. a poster with the like, sale, sale, sale. <laughs> oh my severed goodness. Heads. I can definitely do like a, a graphic design spoof version of a mattress outlet but for artemisia's heads i'm here i want that let's go so bad please (laughs) i need that in my heart we have to do it (laughs) okay ladies and gentlemen okay um so (laughs) a month after the trial Horacio arranged for his daughter to marry pietro antonio di vicenzo stiatesi which who is just like um he was also an artist from Florence and marrying Artemisia is the only Aww. thing he did of note. <laughs> so I couldn't find sick burn. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't find like a painting of his to see if he was good or not. <laughs> Nothing. So like yeah, and we've but all... he had seven names. How could you not narrow it down? Yeah, terminally Italian. He's that's yeah, Vincenzo. Yeah, that's actually a family name for me too. So, um, yeah, it 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 is as someone who has been in relationships with other artists a lot. Um, when the dude is wildly less talented and the woman is achieving a lot more success, it's tough. It's a bad relationship today. I can't imagine in the 1600s. <laughs> uh, wasn't great. So Artemisia... Was it not great? I've never actually heard an account of her marriage. From what I knew, she just kind of kept painting. We'll get into it. 
But there's been some okay. new. Ooh, nice. uh, there have been some recent, not recently. When I was in college, I guess they found these. But there have been some recently discovered like writings of hers that shed more light on this. Oh. Um, I'll get into it though. But so Artemisia moved to Florence with her husband. Uh, she gave birth to five children while in Florence, and only one of them, Prudentio named after her mother would survive into adulthood she did have a son christopher who mm. lived to be five so mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty sad so this That's woman sad, but also 1800s like that was a numbers game back then possibly 1600s like, kids living a lot back then yeah 1600s yeah, even old, real bad even older like that might have been good odds like she was like i got one i got one he made it to adulthood yeah so Despite her personal tragedies, she flourished artistically in Florence. And she was actually accepted to the Accademia del Disegno in 1616. And she was the first woman accepted since its founding in 1563. So, what, 50 years? Wow. Yeah, so it it, it was pretty substantial at the time the academia was basically like a club for artists it was similar to a guild but it was supposed to be this sort of elevated thing so it was a way to sort of make it seem more legitimate and a higher class and it was half guild half school so it was something that you belong to sort of like a club to prove like oh i deserve to be here like i'm an artist of note and then there they offered Mm -hmm. things like nude uh nude model drawings um different like classes on perspective so it was a way to sort of like elevate your artistic knowledge and for people to share ideas uh but it was also just like a guild that's like well because i belong to this i'm great now because Artemisia was a woman she still couldn't like draw nude models there were some things that she was still barred from but she was accepted and was able to gain a lot of like professional acceptance and also artistic skills through this opportunity and one big reason for that is probably because Michelangelo Buonarroti the Younger, who is the grand-nephew of the OG Michelangelo who painted the Sistine Chapel, was a family friend of her father's. So he had watched her grow up, and he knew how talented she was. So when he was building his new home in 1612, he actually... She was the first artist that he commissioned to work on his new home, the Casa Buonarroti. And he had this whole mausoleum in honor of Michelangelo, his his uncle, or essentially his great uncle. Mm. And uh, Artemisia was paid three times what the other artists were paid. (laughs) So she was... Yeah, so, like, even though she was the only woman, he paid her, like, a crap ton more, and he really fought for her, and he really believed in her, and was instrumental in helping her be accepted to the Academia, and to make all of these artistic connections. He was, like, a poet and writer at the time, and his that sort of... He, I mean, he was quite a bit older than her, um, but it was an important friendship, you know, for her, yeah. and... Because that's what I was going to ask earlier. Is she still the only woman for the most part everywhere? Yeah. I don't think we see another woman for like a hundred. Wait, Mary Cassatt? Like, I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, the unfortunate thing is like most women 
even if they did have a claim during their lifetime, were then omitted from all the books and all the narratives. So someone like Judith Leister, who was also an acclaimed artist of the Baroque, Nothing. You don't hear anything okay. about her until the fucking nineties. Because it's when like she's rediscovered I'm sure as at well. least one person that was a woman saw her doing things that were like, wait, they'll let a woman in? Like, not like it necessarily would have opened the floodgates, but that some other woman may have tried. Well, but it's also it's not even just that women Or another father would have let their daughter in, I guess. Yeah, no, really it's not even just that she's the only one. It's that she's the only one that is recognized within the narrative uh, because that's yeah, what uh-huh. art history is. It's a narrative. Mm. Yeah. The thing is, is that it's always been encouraged for women to paint landscapes, to paint still lifes, these kinds uh-huh. of things, to do needlepoint. There are artistic endeavors that have always been included in the kind of feminine hysteria treatments and like homemaker things and painting was one of them you can do while rocking (laughs) yeah if you can do it while in a rocking chair women are allowed to do it as an art (laughs) (laughs) well even if you like remember in jane austen novels it's always like well do you draw like do you paint and like they want you to have these skills (laughs) but not in a way that is noteworthy or not in terms of talent, just in terms of having a constitution. Yeah. Yes. No, <laughs> so, that's exactly pretty much. it. So like, and it's also, you know, another thing to remember is that not all of history, this is something that I always kind of have to remind myself and people when I talk about art history, not all of history is happening in these very enclosed spaces that we talk about them happening in. So Artisma is... Artes- Artemisia, Artemisia is fighting tooth and nail, right? Absolutely. I can never say her name, but she's fighting tooth and nail in Italy. But in China, women are writing novels. Like the first novel yeah. ever was written by a woman. So it is it is very much specific to the way that we speak about Eurocentric art. And the way that kind of, I don't know, Italy around this time encompasses everything. But you also have to remember that in Amsterdam and uh, Flemings, there is an open market, an open trade, and a thriving art community and art uh, economy that is happening outside of this (laughs) What's interesting, too, about this time is, like, all these people in Rome, like, all the artists, like, live in the same kind of area. So they're always, like, talking to each other, always doing things. And so it's, like, this tiny, like, interwoven community where everything's a big deal here. And they might, like, go to Venice or Florence, but they're not, you're right, like, they're not having access with, like, far-off countries. So the fights have mm. to happen there, too, or have our, women are already doing fine, the other it thing, was, but they don't know that. It was their scene. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. very scene heavy. I mean, it's funny to read. It's you're yeah. like these are towns in Italy that are all really close to each other, but they at this time had very distinctive, like, styles and. But I feel like traditions. they still are yeah. culturally and other like in terms of. I was only over there for like two weeks, but 
when you drive around, you'll see two towns right next to each other that low key culturally will be like, well, they don't have this. We have this. So like, yeah, I can see yeah. them back then potentially being like, well, we're the oh. artists like our bubble is crushing it. You know, whatever. The, the city state runs deep. Yes. Yes. I was, that's exactly. They will like, used to tag, be like, like going into towns like this town is lame. And you're like, wait, what? Over <laughs> what? And it'll be because they have it over some art, something or something they did a long time ago and they still have a grudge. Yeah, because during the medieval times, they were separate city states and they they were like kind of Italy, but kind of like ruled by their own little thing. Right. And so, like, for them to kind of come together as a country took a long time. But, yeah, those traditions stayed. It's really interesting. Um, so another thing that happened while she's in Florence, she's making these connections. And, again, mostly because Michelangelo Buonarroti, the younger, is, like, introducing to her to all these people. So she also meets the Grand Duke Cosimo II of the Medici family. And he is, like, a huge influence or, you know not influence but patron of hers and helps her find other work and pays her a lot of money to do her job um she also the medici family is the reason we have the italian renaissance they funded the entire thing by starting a bank like (laughs) yeah they knew they knew a guy and then they got at at first i got excited and thought you were gonna say a band (laughs) which would have been way cooler (laughs) It was like hey, you know, I uh, I know a guy, so don't worry about it. I start the Italian Renaissance for you. <laughs> One, two, three, four. It's just like <laughs> drumsticks. Yes. They're all shirtless, but really hairy men with chains in the hair. <laughs> hey, guys, we're the Rembrandts. Huh? <laughs> huh? Hell yeah. <laughs> he was Dutch, but I love your spirit. <laughs> I just had to think of an art-centered band. Sorry, Andrea. (laughs) No, it's okay. I thought you just said Rembrandt. I didn't realize you said Rembrandt. Like, I just got it. The the Rembrandts, like that 90s band. It was like two guys or something. They may or may not sing the Friends song. I don't know. I didn't know that. It was a band. No, that's a real... It's like, it might be two guys, but it's a band named the Rembrandts. We'll cut all this out. It's fine. Okay. (laughs) What you don't want to leave in the part where Andrea and I both have a different reaction because we've been yeah, a joke in two different directions. <laughs> oh, it's a pun. Okay, I get it. Real nice theory. Okay. So, <laughs> in addition to being friends with this bougie Medici dude, uh, she also became friends with Galileo. Uh, they were homies. Uh, Galileo was also under the protection of Duke Cosimo II for a long time and he sort of like kept him safe in Florence from the Inquisition and he and Artemisia were friends actually Galileo was really interested in the arts so he developed enough proficiency in drawing to be accepted into the Academia del Disegno so he actually was part of the same guild as her and that is part of how they form their friendship and there's this really cute letter between the two of them where they're both much older Artemisia must be in her 30s or 40s and she's well older yeah probably 50s and she's like hey man so basically uh this dude won't pay me could you please um could you please help him get my payment 
uh, like you did mm. like 15 years ago. I really need your help again. That'd be super great. Uh, and it sounds like her brother was like Wait, selling so her Wait, so Galileo paintings. was her muscle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? It's really funny. <laughs> She's like, can you just like I talk to him and give so me my money? <laughs> Fun fact, so Galileo funny. will break knees if you don't <laughs> get his friends his money, their money. What? Well, the funny thing, too, is it sounds like her brothers were selling her paintings for her, but would sometimes just, like, take the money and run. So, like... Oh. (laughs) And that's when Galileo would come in and take his telescope from in front of his eye and start carrying it like the stick that they took out Nancy Kerrigan's knee with. Yes! (laughs) And wreck some dudes for Artemisia. By the way, here's some heresy and also give my give Artemisia her money back. Like, what is this story? Like, I'm imagining the telescope just like extending another foot that no one knew it had. <laughs> it's like an old like one of the old Kung Fu movies and it becomes his weapon. Like it's secretly. Yes. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So that's the kind of relationship. And they're like joking around with each other. It's really cute. But it seems pretty clear that. Artemisia's brothers would sometimes like so they'd pick up a painting and be like cool I'm gonna deliver it and then they'd be like wow he gave me a bunch of money here's some of it Uh, or they would just be like yeah uh he liked it and then just they just leave and not give her the money (laughs) oh my god so sibling relationships literally have never changed they've always never changed She's the oldest child. She's the mom figure. The good painter. I'm also remembering that you said the other kids tried to paint and she was the good one. So they're probably low-key kind of salty and being like, you know what? I'm taking this. Like just deciding in their own head that they have somehow earned this and that they're just going to keep her money. She's yeah, she definitely is like, well, I'm on my come up and they're all like, great. I would also like some of that come up. Thank you so much. And I'm an only child, but I've heard multiple siblings use the you don't need defense in taking something from their sibling where they decide that that sibling has so much that they don't need this anyway. And they just keep it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh- yeah (laughs) which is an interesting logic to me as an only child but yeah (laughs) it's a very um privileged logic it's you know (laughs) that you would definitely have for your jealous older sister that's crushing it and getting paid three times as much as other artists to paint new houses yeah it her brothers kind of sucked it sounds like (laughs) right do you do you have anything on what they did or didn't do did they not have ways to make money of their own or they were just thieves i didn't get too much into it because i knew that this was going to be a longish episode anyway and i was like we can't have side characters but it was funny i I literally just read this one letter thing you can't leave it out i can't it's so cool it's like are you fucking kidding me I was what? already thinking before you told us how personal it was or about the letter that this is like a the most cameos we've had in an episode yet. Like this is like <laughs> the good fellas of episodes. Galileo, yes. Caravaggio. There's just people everywhere. We're like, if this was a movie, if you made a movie of her life, people would be like, fuck you. They put her looking at the Sistine Chapel getting painted. Fuck you. This isn't real. And it would be like, no, she really was here for all of this. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. And so, like, he, I guess, helped her get her money, it sounds like. Um, 
And then also in Florence, Artemisia style became like a little bit softer. There's a quick painting I want to show you. Look up the allegory of inclination. Genaleshi. Okay. Put Genaleshi at the end because otherwise it'll just show you a bunch of them. So the Florence style, like the Caravaggio style is very like brutal and like that heavy chiaroscuro. And then the they get soft. She kind of, the Florence style is much lighter and has a lot more softness to it. This is probably the softest painting she ever painted. I'm going to be honest with you. I looked at a lot of her mm. other work. It's the softest thing she's ever done, but it oh. is this beautiful um, nude person, nude woman. And she's kind of holding this pot and she is one of many paintings. This is in the house of Michelangelo Buonarroti. And this is part of that mausoleum or like area to honor uh, oh. Michelangelo. Michelangelo. So this is like, this would nice. be one character. And then other artists did other characters, kind of like a crossover episode. Um, and they're all sort of in this tomb area together. Or it's, I guess it's more like a chapel. It's like a place to honor him. So she does get a little bit soft artistically, um, but not spiritually. Uh, so another fun fact, she doesn't necessarily look happy, but it's like the more almost stoic. Like she's not at this, the woman in this painting, like, yeah, in terms of her expression, it's like maybe a more peaceful it's feeling more... that she's portraying here. It's more peaceful. It's more soft. I mean, she's sitting on a cloud and she's kind of like gently draped in fabric and her hair's up and there's a star and she's got this like pop. Well, I was going to be like, well, she's not being attacked, but she's also alone. So that's sad. (laughs) What? (laughs) Fucking Michelangelo toes. Look at those fucking things. She's got a she club really, toe going on here. She really like <laughs> used him as inspiration for her anatomy. There's a lot of clear, like even the yes. dimples, the way she does dimples is very Michelangelo. And it's because, you know, that is what she sees every, that's what she grew up with. And that's what she learned how to draw from. So Her feet don't look that bad. She looks like she just never falls down. <laughs> <laughs> she's got, st- she's got sturdy feet. Real sturdy. Sturdy feet. Can we talk about yeah. this hairstyle though with the it's fucking, fucking barrel gorgeous. bangs and the mullet? I love it. I would wear that. Little top buns and braids. It's I was about to say she's got like a unicorn top knot, like how you would do your hair when you're messing around in the pool. When you (laughs) like flip it the back way. (laughs) She never She's doing a Barbara Bush. (laughs) Did anyone else? I don't know why we did that, but we would always flip our hair frontward and then backwards in the pool and say, oh, I'm Barbara Bush. I don't know why. What? We did George Washington. I've never heard the Barbara Bush. I used to call it Barbara Bush. George Washington makes way more sense. I don't know. Because she had that fucking helmet bouffant. Yeah, I don't make up the rules, Andrea. I thought everyone played that pool game, but George Washington makes a lot more sense. Jordan, you could have been from Florida. So funny. Yeah, so we, we said Barbara oh Bush. God. I thought everyone did that. Sorry, but that's what this hair reminded me of in this painting. That's <laughs> fully hilarious. Uh, yeah, she's doing the Barbara Bush, but she is like she's like the prettiest, softest thing that Artemisia yeah, yeah. almost ever paints. Yes. So, mm. yeah, it's uh, an interesting time. And that's the sort of the Florence style was more like soft and like mannerist. Well, I was happy that she painted a woman that was like at peace and seemed calm, but she's also yeah. alone on a cloud. Well, so think- that's a pretty safe place to be. <laughs> 
I think what's interesting is that in so many of her paintings, when she's painting these scenes that are more self-portraits a lot of the time, she paints them very uh-huh. brutally. But I think she just had mm. so much respect for Michelangelo. Like, in so many ways, he is beyond her father her second greatest teacher because that is where she spent her time as a child learning to draw so she clearly Mm -hmm. has a lot of respect for him and his work and i think that that allows her to get to a softer place artistically that she doesn't really Uh do anywhere else because she kind of which totally makes sense that totally makes sense that a safe relationship with a man coming from what the other things came from that that would allow for a space for you to feel safe enough to paint yourself that way yeah this that's she's the softest woman and it i think it is because of that safety yeah it's really beautiful i really like it um thanks mickey yeah (laughs) i i wanted to show like a a softer side too because i do think that so many of her paintings are pretty brutal so and you know Mm -hmm. deep deep feelings um so fun fun little thing so the book that i used as my main source was written in 1989 and they mentioned this dude he's in the letter to galileo and at the end of the letter to galileo she's like if you get my money send correspondence through francesco maria maringhi he'll bring the money to me and as okay. a footnote in this book by Gerard uh, that I used, it says um, perhaps he was a clerk of some sort. So they don't really know who this mm-hmm. guy is. But in 2011, they found love letters between Artemisia yes. and Francesco Maria Marinchi. He was her lover and... Not only did they find their love letters, but on the back of those love letters, her husband was saving paper by also corresponding with him. (laughs) What? For like business reasons. What? Her husband just. Wait, so that's how little he cared? Yeah, he totally knew. I totally have to ask though. Do we think that her husband was writing business letters to this man? And then she was like, hold up. I must send him some love. The opposite. They dated different. So what it was is basically she was having a very open affair with this man. And her husband allowed it because he was so wealthy that he was helping Artemisia get more clients. And so uh-huh. her husband was kind of like, well, he's kind of our meal ticket right now. And he's kind of doing some really great stuff for us. So he totally just cucked out and was like, okay, well, thanks for the apples or whatever on the back. Of- and he was like, I know yes. which dick my bread is buttered on and it's yeah. not mine. <laughs> oh, my God. Group love letters. <gasps> yeah. But not group love crazy. letters. One side love letter, one side like receipts and like just <laughs> also like just bills and things like just like I know you guys are having a super steamy fuck fest on the other side of the paper, but I did have some minutes from last week's meeting <laughs> that I would love to get your feedback on. Like what? 
Yeah, it's insane. Like I could, I was like reading this and I was like, are you serious right now? Like, I can't believe this is real. And I can't believe I never knew about this. It's fucking crazy. And also, what if he wrote them back on the same piece of paper? And it's just like, yeah, you can't read your note because the other side's a little sticky. Like, what is (laughs) happening? Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. This paper can't be multi-use this much. That's actually (laughs) why it took them till 2011 to discover them, because they were actually stuck to the bottom of a bed. No, I'm joking. (laughs) They were just, there was, no, because I actually imagined them using, like, the way they would on forensic files, like, dipping it into this special solvent just to release the The 18th century jizz so they could read the (laughs) correspondence oh my god yeah this is science it's this i'm here for it it i mean it's interesting too so like it's pretty clear that she got married off just because she was damaged goods and Mm. it seems like this dude that she married was at least like someone i think her father chose someone that was meek enough that he would kind of let her still do this because she does have such a forceful personality, but it sounds like it was definitely not a marriage of love. It was something that was kind of like, she had to do it to stay honorable. Mm -hmm. Which like, I maybe he understood that if he's like doing paperwork on the other side of her love letters. Exactly. My question is kind of like how, much do we actually understand about their relationship because i was really worried you were gonna be like and then she had to go to the domestic violence shelter no he it it sounds like he was like i i could i mean i didn't find any accounts that he was abusive um and yeah no but it sounds like he was all in on her having her happiness yeah it's i mean i feel like if you're mad you'll at least bust out another sheet of paper yeah like, it, it, he I might feel have had like his if you're writing on the other side that is yeah also possible at this time I mean so, you know men would have lovers and stuff and so like he might have had his own lovers and might have just been like look man I'm mm-hmm. busy like do your thing I don't care so like right. we don't really know again no real information about him exists because no one thought it important enough to write down <laughs> oh my God. I actually know why Oh, wait, why? Oh, sorry. I thought you meant about the lover. What do you mean? Why we just didn't have her life story. Oh, wait, don't, don't, don't say that yet. We'll do it at the end. Okay. Okay. I love when you both know something I don't. So, (laughs) yes. So in nineteen or sorry, nineteen twenty. Wow, it's the t- <laughs> she lived a long time. It's been four hundred years, and Artesima is looking great. She's crushing it. <laughs> She's actually a vampire from True Blood. Okay. Um, in sixteen twenty, Artemisia moved back to Rome, where she lessened contact with her lover. It seems like. So it seems like she was pretty open about being in having an affair with this dude, but the some people started to kind of gossip, and it sounds like her reputation was maybe mm-hmm. starting to be harmed. So that's part of why they moved back to Rome. Right. Um, so she lessened contact with her lover, and this is actually when her only son, who had survived infancy, dies. So it was a pretty rough time, oh, and God. it's 
Yeah, it was pretty rough. And it sounds like her husband also died at this time because we don't hear about Jesus. him ever again. She doesn't mention him in letters. She doesn't talk about him. So it sounds like Aww. he might be gone. Not sure. Did they die together? Her... What? Her son and husband. Was there some kind of accident? It. I didn't find information on it. It just says that the that they die. That no, it, they couldn't have because the boy died and the husband died after or disappeared from records about her. I was about to okay. say they couldn't have died together because at least they say the dun the son definitely died. They're just like I don't <laughs> yeah. know this dude. I guess left. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> He probably died. He's dead to us. How about that? Like, no one cares. <laughs> yeah. So at this time, uh, she, her style in Rome, she becomes a lot more Caravaggio-esque again because that's what's popular in mm. Rome. So she's kind of bending mm. to that. Uh, she's in only in Rome for a couple years. She moves to Venice for a couple years to chase some wealthy clients. And she moves to Naples. And that's where she does her first paintings for a cathedral. So that would have been a really big deal for her is to have paintings that were publicly on display all the time in a cathedral. And she probably would have gotten a lot of money from it because churches have money, baby. So it was probably pretty great for her career. Then in 1638, she travels to the court of Charles I of England to help her father decorate a ceiling and garner a few commissions of her own from the monarch, who spent so much money on art, he was often publicly criticized by his own people for it. So it, wow. <laughs> it's kind of like the artist equivalent of like this rich dude is like, I'm going to start a museum, but I'm going to buy all the art myself. And artists are like, we could be friends. Why don't we just like hang out and have a drink? He's really like this golden goose a little bit for her. Um, and that's where she paints her um, one of her self-portraits of her as the allegory of painting. I think that was for him or I might be wrong about. No, never mind. Take that out. I was wrong. But she paints a painting. I was going to say, him. I love that painting. Yeah, the painting said it was 1630. So that must not have been it. But it said it was for it said it was for England, like it lives in England. So that is what's weird to me is I thought I oh, got the dates mixed up. Interesting. I actually have an interesting thing about that painting because she oh, yeah, paints herself ahead. painting uh, because women have to show that they can do the thing that they're literally doing and prove that they can paint. So they show themselves painting. Whereas men like, Albert Durer could paint himself like Jesus and people would just be like, oh, yeah, he's an artist. Oh, my God. He's like so great and stuff. <laughs> it's like he was so actually amazing. relentlessly oh, no. belittled during his time. But this was created. Stands. So <laughs> sorry, I looked it up again because my the other thing I read was wrong. So, yeah, the self-portrait as the allegory of painting, if you look that up, that was from this time. So she's in the court of Charles the First. She does this, like Jordan said, like for the time, like pretty dope self-portrait. And her tits are on display. But for the most part, it's about like, mm -hmm. these are my abilities. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen this before. Yeah. So that's another like older self-portrait. At this time, she's... 1638 she's about 40 almost what year was she born? she looks great. i thought she was born 1593 oh yeah so yeah she would have been <laughs> 45 there you go 
I'm having a really tough time with math today. I apologize. Wait, we said that she was 50 when she was writing to Galileo. I'm so confused about the timeline. Well, so she's writing to Galileo throughout her life, but that letter was she she was like in her thirties or forties, and she's also recalling recalling, something from when she was younger. There we go. So they they had been friends for fifteen years at the point that she's writing that letter. Okay, but it was perfect. Yeah. Sorry, that's I understand how that could be confusing. <laughs> we also never record this late. So Yes, yeah, and that's I that's very true. Took an edible this because is, I have period pain. So. Realizing that we're day people also. I'm a morning person. Yeah. <laughs> so her father actually dies in sixteen thirty nine in England and Artemisia doesn't leave till 1642 because she had her own paintings to paint. So she kind of came and she was like, ooh, shit, dad's dead. Well, got these paintings to finish. And she painted some paintings and made some money and then traveled back to Naples. Um, There she created a variety of commissions for clients. Kind of starting to decline in her older years, she leaned pretty heavily on her assistant, Onofrio Palumbo, And it was originally thought that she died in 1652. What's wrong, Jordan? Palumbo. Is that what I not said? What? No, that's exactly what you said. I was just dying. I'm sorry. You can't say a no frio Palumbo like it's a normal (laughs) thing to say out loud. Wait, that's the dude's (laughs) name, though. A no frio Palumbo. Palumbo. Especially because... Miss Wisconsin here. His name's Anofrio Palumbo, and he's Onofrio just a, Palumbo. You know, he's just a guy that existed, and I have to be okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> this is totally fine. Yeah. So actually, uh, wait. I have a a follow up question to the oh, go ahead the Palumbo scandal. Um, she had a male apprentice. Yeah. For yep. her, she it sounds like back, it sounds like after she was like, Yeah, I've already been raped, like, I really don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, it's scary. Oh, it's I didn't yet. even mean about men, I just meant like a dude was like, I want to learn off, from her. I mean, she was the I, fucking best, she was really yes. good at what she did. That guy looks like he's on Team Zizu. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. A no frio from Palumbo. Life I'm sorry, guys, episodes. Does- done <laughs> i love it he was pretty good On honestly board. not as good as her but he's good no. yeah but it's you know she's old at this point you know she's in her 60s yes so yeah she's- yeah how old is that for back then it's fucking is old. That like 80 now? Were people even living till that? Like even living that long? Is that because she did well and was successful and stuff? You know? It's actually people would generally live to about 75 or 80, regardless of the time, oh, nice. unless you're looking into prehistory. Because mm-hmm. oh, infant wow. mortality rates were so high consistently until recently. The average age average. of death gets skewed so much. Looks that way. Even think yeah. about it. Artemisia lost five children. Like Right. Which that I did feel like is normal for the time. Well, she lost four yeah, children and then an adult child. Yes. But generally, no, her adult child you... lived. Prudentia, Prudentia oh, lived. But he died. 
No, Christopher oh, died. He lived, okay. but she even she outlived her one living child, though. Also, no. See, we got confused. We right? thought that her son died. No, so her I son, her son died. passed away. Yeah, her son passed away. Christopher, yeah, the adult when one. he was five. No, when he was five years old. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Which son passed away right before her son? Which son passed Which away right husband? before her husband? That's Nobody? Christopher. Yeah, Christopher? that's the same son. I okay. I just said that. So I mentioned him dying twice because I was saying that only one child survived into adulthood. Oh. But okay, all of but her other go. kids died as infants. He away. Yeah, he was five oh, when he God. passed away. But yes. Sorry, I explained that badly. Too, no, you're totally good. I'm glad that we cleared it up. But yeah, the the infant mortality death and the maternal death rate. So if you were a person who could survive childhood and then survive into adulthood without having any pregnancies, your mm-hmm. odds were that you'd live to about 80. Wow. Yeah. And she survived so many births. Yes. yes. For like back then. Yeah, wow. I mean, even for now in America, if she survives, if really oh, I mean, birth. that's a yeah, that's enough people. That's enough people to make at any time. But I mean, for the way that people were birthing people back then, I cannot imagine doing that five times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to do it once. So I am kind of like, wow, yeah, five sixteen okay. hundreds births, no thanks. It's insane. <laughs> no one's and washing their hands. You have to remember, too, at this time, she is the breadwinner of her household. So she's not just giving birth. Right. She's going to work. <laughs> like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And that's what uh, she wanted. And then having and to take care chose. of the people she made. Yeah. At least. Yeah. I mean, to have a working artist mother at this time is insane. I'm surprised she wasn't yeah. accused mm-hmm. of being a witch. It was originally thought that she died in 1652, but records exist of her accepting a commission as late as 1654. And it's speculated that she died in the plague that swept through Naples in 1656 and decimated an entire generation of artists. Like it killed all like so many people that like artistic knowledge Mm -hmm. was lost. Um, yeah, that's insane. It's crazy. And, and that actually happened pretty consistently. I never thought about the plague in that way. Yeah. It, I mean, it, if you think about a a generation of history being erased, like knowledge gets lost all the time historically because people, everyone who knows it dies. That's how we have languages dying out right now. Yup. Exactly. Um, and so if wow. that is true, that speculation, she would have been 64 years old at the time of her death, which mm. is pretty amazing considering she was a working artist. If you think about her painting at 62, yeah. if you think that these panels and these canvases are several feet tall, they would have been larger than her body mm. most of the time. It's a very physical right. act. If you've ever painted a mural, you'll know that your shoulders hurt, your neck hurts, your feet hurt. Everything fucking hurts because it's a very physical <laughs> labor. And that's essentially what she was doing all yes. the time is painting large scale portraits when you see the when you see the painting she paints even of herself she paints herself as having like pretty broad shoulders and i have to believe she earned those painting every day oh her yeah life and painting ceilings and yeah all of it yeah That's... she's a boss bitch she was i mean she was undeniably talented 
And she had to be to be, survive at this time. She's just, you know, like if you're someone who everyone thinks that you don't even get basic rights, you have to be undeniable to earn the respect of your peers in your field. And that is yeah. what she did before anyone had that opportunity. You know what I mean? She earned the respect of pe the, the peers around her. And for her time, like, that's insane. There's a quote that her father wrote about her when she was just 19 years old. It said that Artemisia had the talent, quote, unequaled by even mature artists. So that's something her dad said about her when she was like a kid, which is really sweet. He's so proud. He's very proud. He. It sounds like he, you know, had his hangups, but really tried to be like a good dad for that time. Yeah. Um, she had some resentment towards him as they got older because he had publicized what happened to her. You know, she felt like it was mm. it made her life more difficult. But then he also kind mm. of was like, but that's also why you get to be great. So they had these sort of like conflicting ideas about what that meant um, mm. and if it was best for her or like some of those choices. But it sounds like she still had a lot of love and respect for him at his death, yeah. you know? So it's really beautiful. And I'm going to close with some words that were written by Artemisia in her letter to Galileo in from 1635. It says, I've seen myself honored by all kings and rulers of Europe to whom I've sent my works, not only with great gifts, but also with most favored letters, which I keep with me. And that's the story of boss bitch Artemisia Genaleshi, baby. Oh, I love Aww, that. Yay. Yeah. Good job. She's a good one. I that's beautiful. Yeah. She probably is one of my favorite artists. Just her, I mean, historically what she means. I mean, I'm just happy that I feel like we have covered a lot of artists that don't seem to find uh, remnants of peace like that. Yeah. To be in that kind of place at that part in their life also makes me really happy and gives hope that like if a woman artist that was going through everything that she went through could manage to be like, write her old friend and be like, yeah, I got my scrapbook going of all the Kings that like my shit. Like <laughs> if you can find those kind of things to be positive about when you had to go through everything that she did when she was younger, then that is also pretty sweet. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It It's a really good story. It makes me, you know, I don't know. It, it. I think if she could do this in 1635, we can maybe do it today. And I think it's a very hopeful story in that yeah. way. So I love. Yes. And I feel like a lot of the things that she was able to go on and do and even ways that she was able to paint herself is because she didn't seem to, through her art, ever run from any of it. Like, yeah, yeah. it was... It's very much like I know exactly how I feel about this and I know how exactly how everyone else should feel about this and I'm going to let you fucking know about it. And the fact that there's so much strength in that 
reaction to that even at that young age to be like this is something yeah. that happened to me in my teens and be like this is exactly how I'm gonna you know come back from it is I think also speaks to her maturity that her dad was talking about outside of her are also as just like a human because yeah. yeah yeah I think she is I mean like she's just embodies her namesake so well like she's like a goddess yeah like she's just this powerful warrior like I'm gonna fuck shit up I'm not gonna men are not gonna be comfortable with everything I make and fuck you a and little it is bit. kind of in yeah. a fucked up way I can see what her dad was saying about I can see from the outside and especially a father and in this weird twisted way of pride coming back to like I gave you the namesake of the strength that you ended up doing nothing but displaying your whole life like that is a part of who you are is being the embodiment of this namesake, you know, yeah. badass. So that is kind of weird. Like <laughs> even thinking back to the way you told that story and then the way her life unfolded is kind of gnarly also. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a pretty fucking crazy life and she made the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah it absolutely is. Here's the thing, like a lot of us have a lot of horrible things happen to us in life. Uh, not a lot of us can say that we wrote letters to Galileo. So <laughs> she definitely managed right? to have oh some God. badass <laughs> moments in her life despite the horrible actions of others. Um, thank you so much for that, Andrea. Yeah, thank you guys for being here with me. I know Jordan has like some insight that I might not know really. Oh, so yeah, yeah. I'm excited to hear about that too. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to be a bummer. So I'm going to say that it is a hopeful story at the very root of it. Although Artemisia had a claim and was recognized as an artist during her lifetime, upon her death, uh, everybody kind of quietly started attributing all of her paintings to her father. Yes. Um, uh, that was a huge so, issue. Yes. So she ends up being almost completely forgotten to the sands of time. Like they legitimately, there was a curator who found a painting in like the very, very, very back of the archive. And she was looking at it and she was like, never heard of this artist I can see the the signature and she started doing research discovered she couldn't find any information about it and so she kind of brought it back she started actually pulling records and finding Genaleshi one when was piece this? at a time it was in like the 70s oh, it was okay. like 1970s wow. yeah they you have so, a lot more crazy, though if in if you think about it, the seventies, women have access to the pill and they can start going to college. And we now have women who are involved in academia and they're starting to find say, things that men are overlooking. Bogged down with three kids and got to like go through the Dewey Decimal System and found yes. some shit. <laughs> yeah, and well, found so this dusty ass painting and was like, wow. "I've never heard of this. Who is this? I know Orazio. Wow. What's going on wow. here?" <laughs> What's so interesting is like there's so many letters and records and testimonies exist still 
they're again though they're all handwritten like there's not a typewriter so like all of these records yeah. exist mm-hmm. but they're like very fragile ancient documents essentially so the book that i have by mary gerard has like the transcript version but she also showed like the photocopy of what the front of the letter looks like and when you look at it you're like i don't think i could even read that like those aren't even letters to me because it's a type of like Mm -hmm. cursive that i just my brain can't even recognize so it's i was about to say it's like i can barely read when my mom leaves a note in cursive much less (laughs) it's also an italian right calligraphic italian Italian. but it doesn't even like it doesn't even look like letters where i would be able to be like that's definitely an i and that's definitely a k or anything like Uh it's really difficult to read so someone had to like read that Uh. know what it says in italian write it down, have someone come and translate it, someone who knows historically what the context is and also understands who some of of these people are. Yeah, Yeah. it's just Uh like the the monumental effort it took for that, for those records to be translated so we could know Artemisia Genelishi exists is crazy and awesome. Yeah. And they translated two sides of that paper (laughs) and one was hot as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) no it's another i really i consistently stand by this but art history and the history of humanity is a intrinsically linked and b it is a constant testament to the love and devotion and care that we take of other people in one way or another, whether it's some people forgetting about you and some lady coming back in the 70s and bringing you back to life, it's, yeah, there's always going to be someone around to care about something. That's kind yeah. of why I like even what people say now about, like, if you bring up a topic and they immediately are like, well, why aren't you talking about this? It's like, you talk about that. Everybody <laughs> has to be talking about Go ahead. Things. We can't all be talking about the same thing. For sure, start the pod that's talking about that. I love that everyone is taking on different things to be their thing. Like, exactly. But yeah, I love that somebody made Armesia their thing. Artemisia Me too. Thing. but yeah that's um, uh my favorite art story so <laughs> yes and I forgot um but you're right Andrea this was no joke us starting the idea for this podcast was Andrea saying oh I want to do this person and me of course knowing nothing about actual individual artists until I log what I visually seen googled her and then screamed because I was like Andrea this is like the one of the things I saw in Italy that like I couldn't stop staring at and I was like this is hardcore as fuck and like yeah so I'm glad that we came full circle to getting this episode hell yeah dude um Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of Pavant Guard. Uh, we're back. We're back on our new schedule, baby. We're back, baby. Um, we're listening. Um, first Mondays is our uh, goal. What is it? Tomorrow. It's tomorrow's the twenty second. Tomorrow's my birthday. Um, Happy, happy birthday! birthday. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, I was really just saying that because I was thinking about how much time I'll have to get these time codes to Elliot. We love you, Elliot. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're going to do first Mondays. And uh, thank you all so much for listening. If you love Pavant Guard, please follow us on Instagram or Twitter um, at P-O-D-V-A-N-T-G-A-R-D-E. 
And um, we also will have a link to our Patreon in the description for this episode. Uh, and if you like me as a person, you can follow me, Katrina, at Katrina Savad, S-I-V-A-D, um, on all of the things. And if you join the Patreon, you will get a bonus art news episode every month that will will not be on the main feed. And we're just trying to make it so that the money pays for the editing. So we're not paying out of pocket for it. So that's part of why we've started limiting the episodes um, just to make things more affordable for us so that we can keep doing it for you and not get super burnt out. Uh, but as that money goes up, we're hoping to get back to our, you know, several times a month schedule. So that's our goal. Yeah. And if you could help us out with that, we'd really appreciate it. Um, if you wait, did you did you mute Katrina? No, I was just trying oh. to be quiet. But what the fuck are you doing, Jordan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. My ear. I was trying. I was hoping you wouldn't notice me, Andrea. But I Jordan's didn't. making a bunch of funky ass ear faces. And I was trying to make sure she was okay. That was so funny. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Sometimes so She's like a, cartoonishly scratching oh. her ear with this ear pod in it. And I was making sure she was okay. It's. It's a sensory thing. Uh, I have an oh. issue, and sometimes I'll hit a point where my earpods, like it, my headphones, have been in for so long that it like hurts my head. Yep. <laughs> I understand. That. Sorry, I, I really didn't can't. mean to make that. No. It's okay. No. It was hilarious. I was just making sure you were all kind of okay. I was like, "What is happening?" I hope that comes you look up like on a the bomb pictures. went off in your ears, like when you're doing the monk, monk, and that's why I was like, "What happened?" It's like a cart. It's like an old timey no, cartoon where someone has like a mouse between their ears or something, but it's Jordan's earpods. They're touching my brain wrong. Yeah. If you want to see my art, you can go on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta. Um, I'll paint your dog or whatever. I'm going to have a book soon, so follow me for that. You can also subscribe to my newsletter at AndreaGazetta.com, and I have a sticker club Patreon at Patreon.com slash Andrea Gazetta. Two Zs, two Ts. What up? Let's get it. What's your dog account called? My, oh... <laughs> I did start a pet portrait account, but it won't let me do reels. And that's the only way Instagram knows how oh. to promote things right now. And I can't figure out why. So that's it's called so Prism Pet Portraits. Because um, I want to promote that I'll paint your dog or whatever. But Instagram's like, no, yeah, no reels for you. I didn't know you. that you did that. I thought Jordan was fucking with me. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get Andrea to promote her I have shit, 600 so Instagram paid. I'm Jordan Williams, and I haven't looked at my phone in three weeks. But you can look at my face. Oh my god! Uh, you can look at my face at the Goonie Bird and at the stuff that I make at the Goonie Bird Crafts, and I don't know. I guess. Oh, oh, that was what I was going to say. Thank you so much to everyone who has reached out and continues to reach out. Uh, thank you for sending me Dadaist memes. Thank you for sending me all kinds of just fun things that you find. Thank you for all of the love and support uh, regarding 
the tattoos and the job interviews and the missing teeth. I uh, I just really appreciate everybody who's had, you know, it just I really feel like everybody has my back. And I also just want you to know that none of you are alone. And I don't know, I kind of, for the most part, I know that it doesn't sound like it in that episode, but for the most part, I've gotten over my weird insecurities with myself and my body just through watching like John Waters movies and hockey. So if you want to, you know, watch a game, count how many people actually have teeth in a hockey game. It's very few. <laughs> It'll make so you, you feel can actually a follow lot better Jordan at her new account. Tooth gaps and tattoos. Oh, <laughs> dude, you are a marketing genius. That's literally <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, actually. My brain, my brain is a monster. But yes, that is all I went to school for. <laughs> That's amazing. I also love that. I but got- I do love that you're getting resound. You're getting residual love from past episodes. Me too. On just being yourself that's awesome no it's been great it's been so sweet and i really appreciate everybody that's reached out i don't often log into the instagram but when i do the past couple times there's been like a cute note for jordan (laughs) so i like screenshot it yeah i have to like deliberately you have to like deliberately keep stuff unread because i'm like oh this one's specifically it's like we're getting fan mail through our dms (laughs) and i have to like route it to jordan yeah (laughs) and then anything that's a joke meme i'm like here we go this is my time to shine and then i put it on the stories (laughs) so also thank you to everyone that sends me funny stories and interesting stories and art related things for us to share and discuss and do polls about because those are super fun too oh yeah we love it and also like keep sending us articles because we love talking about them on the art news and just seeing like what you guys find yeah it's always something weird and i get really excited about it so please send us articles awesome again we're all reading different stuff so even if you're like "Eh, everybody knows about this maybe not yeah (laughs) it's true i found a thing that i am very excited to talk about on art news Ooh, Ooh, I'm so excited. Okay, And this time, it's not the Caravaggio house that didn't get any bids. (laughs) Ooh, nice. Well, yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Subscribe to the Patreon to hear about Jordan's teaser just now. And we'll see you next time. We love you. We love you. Bye. Hey guys, Andrea here. Um, I'm asking for your help a little bit today because Jordan, Katrina, and I are all comedians and artists who don't have any experience editing sound. And because this is a sound-based medium, we have asked an editor to help us with our episodes. Um, We had a few issues early on with some of the early recordings and we're working on getting those sorted out. Um, And... Part of that is just having an audio engineer. So in order to be able to actually pay him and pay him a fair rate, uh, we're asking for your help. We've set up a Patreon, patreon.com slash podvantgarde. And our goal is that we can pay him not from our own pockets, but from the resources of the show itself, which means we need your help. Um We're also planning on starting to release bonus episodes. We'll start with one a month. Um, 
And as that Patreon rate increases, we'd like to eventually expand that to a bonus episode every week. And the bonus episodes will be more, um, a little bit more loose fit. We'll be covering art, uh, like current events and weird things that happen because there's a lot of like weird stuff going on in the art world right now, um, especially around NFTs, especially around AI. And I think it's really interesting and worth talking about, but we just need to be able to pay someone to edit that bonus content. Um, I would also say that in terms of the time cost, you know, Katrina, Jordan, and I all are supporting ourselves outside of this show. This show takes a lot of time. I'm probably spending at least three days a week with every episode just researching. We're buying books. Um, Katrina's editing the time codes. She's building our website. She's doing all our social media. Jordan is also researching her own episodes. And my goal for the Patreon is just that it can become something that you know we're not looking to get rich I don't think that's ever been our goal I don't think we ever think that could be our goal but what I'd like to be able to happen eventually is that the Patreon can become a way for us to just pay ourselves a living wage for the time that we invest into this show my experience uh, with cult podcast um, is that it's really hard to make a show every single week and not have other financial resources. So what I want is that this Patreon can eventually become a financial resource for us. It can help us support ourselves and it can help us to continue putting the show out so that we don't get burnt out and want to pull our hair out. Um, we love you so much and we think that the show is really important. I personally think that we need more podcasts that cover history and art history from a feminist, anti-colonial queer perspective and that's where we're coming from as artists and as art historians and comedians we love you we love this show thank you so much for supporting it that's again at patreon.com slash and thanks guys <laughs>